0: Thank you very much. Well, I have only just a minute, only 60 seconds in it. Forced upon me, can't refuse it. Didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to me to use it. I must suffer if I lose it. Give account if I abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but an eternity is in it. Good morning. (laughs) Manatech. Well, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Willie Jolly. And before I get started, I'm going to answer the question that's in the back of everybody's mind. Yes, that's my real name. (laughs) I am a professional speaker. I speak to young people, to colleges, to corporations, trade associations, literally around the world now, about achievement. How to do more, how to be more, how to achieve more, and how to make it happen now. Have you ever wondered why some people can make a million dollars, lose it, make a second million, lose that, then make a third million while other people can't even make ends meet. Why is it some people, no matter what they touch, it turns to gold? Well, other people can work hard all day long and never quite hit the mark. Why is it? Well, the reason is because they know the recipe for success. Just as there's a recipe for making a cake or pie. Everybody in here knows somebody who makes great cakes and pies. And every time they make that cake or pie, it tastes the exact same way. Delicious. Someone else might come and taste that cake of pie, love the way it tastes, say I'm going to go home and make one for myself. But they don't have the recipe. And they go home and they try and they fail. And they try again, they fail, and eventually they give up. But that's exactly what happens in life. Most people in life say I want to be successful. But they don't have the recipe. And they go through life with a constant state of trial and error. They try this, they fail, they try that, they fail, and eventually most people give up. Statistics show us if you take 100 people, start them out at the exact same place at the age of 19. By the time they are 65, one will be wealthy. Four will be financially secure. 19 will still be working and 54 will be broke. It does not have to be that way. Today I want to share with you some simple ideas. I call them tips. Tips stand for techniques, ideas, principles, strategies, For success, T-I-P-S. Techniques, ideas, principles, and strategies for success. And if you use these tips, they will work. Now let me tell you a little more about myself. As you were told, through the introduction and through the video, I'm a professional speaker. I travel around the world speaking. I write books. I have a syndicated radio show in America. But I haven't always been a speaker. I've only been speaking a a, a little over a decade. Before that, I was a full-time singer. I made my living singing. And even over here in Australia, many of you have heard me sing before, haven't you? I love doing that. You should see your faces. (laughs) Here's the first response I always get, no. (laughs) Second response is, who's he? And the ones who are cool just sit there and go, yeah, right. (laughs) Best response I ever got was in Fresno, California. I was speaking to a group of students. I said, you've all heard me sing before. And one little girl jumped up and said, nuh-uh i never even seen you before. Well, let me tell you where you've heard me sing, even here in Australia. For many years, I was a full-time jingle singer. I sang jingles for television and radio commercials. And some of the products that I sang jingles for even sell here in, Ameri- in, in Australia as, as in America. I've sung jingles for pizza places. Pizza hut, making it great. I've sung jingles for shoe stores. For do shoe store. It's really hot. I've sung jingles for television stations. We work well together. News for NU. I've sung jingles for Oldsmobile, for Cadillac, for Ford, for Martin Martin Marietta, for companies all around the country. I had to even an uh, opportunity to sing one for New York City and Washington, D.C. So I've sung a lot. Lot of jingles but today we're not here to talk about jingles we're here to talk about achievement how to do more how to be more how to achieve more and how to make it happen now because how many of you are ready for a really good year yeah. very good in fact how many of y'all need a real good decade yeah. well i am gonna make a couple of guarantees as i do before every program and a couple of requests we're going to get started my first guarantee is i guarantee i absolutely positively guarantee that when you leave this room this day you will not be the same person who entered this room. I guarantee that. Because Oliver Wendell Holmes, once a mind is exposed to a new idea, it cannot, it will not shrink back to its original position. I'll give you at least one good idea today. My second guarantee is I guarantee if you use this information, you tried for 30 days, I guarantee within 30 days you'll see results. My requests are simple. If you like what I say, you think it makes sense, you think it has merit, then I want you to use it, share it, and tell your friends about it. But on the other hand, if you listen to me today and you don't like what I say, you don't think it makes any sense, it's a bunch of garbage, I respectfully ask you to take every word I say, take it to your closest trash can, and throw it in the trash. My second request is this. In this kind of environment, it's like a classroom. And what typically happens in a classroom is you have one person giving information to a group of other people. When the teacher finishes giving the students information, the teacher typically gives the students a grade. Well, today I'm going to turn the tables. I'm going to give you a bunch of information. But when I'm finished giving you the information, I want you to give me a grade. I want you to make up in your mind what grade I deserve, but I only want one of two options. I want either a pass or a fail. None in the middle. Because I learned if you, never, if you only settle for things like in America, we call them B's and C's and D's and F's and E's and A's. If you settle for anything less than the best, you will never reach your potential. So I'm encouraging you to always pursue excellence and not to settle for anything in the middle either pass or fail that's it that's the deal with you yeah. all right last thing when this is over I want you to tell me whether it achieved the goal that you felt something different that you've grown grown or got some good ideas because I'm here to help you to grow I'm here not to impress you I'm not here to make people think that, well, that's a great speaker, but that you've had a powerful impact. If that does that, then I've done my job, and I would like you to tell me when that's over. Now, now, as I said, we've, we've had an opportunity to come here from America to speak for you, and I know that this is a Saturday morning, and some of you had a lot of other things you could be doing here today, but I'm glad you're here. So what we're going to do is a little energizer to get your energy levels up so that anything that may come your way during this next hour that you'll be able to take it, run with it, and maximize it. So I want everybody, if you would, to sit up straight, please. And I want you to repeat after me with confidence, enthusiasm, and excitement. I want you to get into it, get involved, and get busy. Don't worry about the person on your left or on your right. Before you behind you, concentrate on yourself for the next few seconds, and we're going to take it to another level. Everybody repeat after me. Say, I feel good. I feel, I feel real good. I feel I'm, wide awake, I'm wide awake. Ready to shake. Shake and bake. bake. Ready to learn. Ready to burn. burn. Because I feel good. good. Real good. Real good. 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 Fantastic. Fantastic. I feel great. great. Now turn to somebody on your left and on your right and say, you got the right stuff, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. Give yourselves a round of applause. Everybody make some noise. There you go. Very good, very good. Well, I'm honored to be here. I got in yesterday from a long trip from Washington, D.C. Now, anybody ever been to America knows that Washington, D.C. is on the other side of the country. So I flew for five hours to get to Los Angeles. Then I flew another from Los Angeles to Auckland. That was 13 hours. Then a flight from Auckland to Brisbane. That was three hours. And then my friend, there's my friend over there, He was so kind to pick me up at the airport and and bring us to Gold Coast. That was another hour and a half about. And and then we had to wait for our hotel room to be ready. (laughs) So it was about a 25-hour process. So we were a little tired. But I'm excited to be here today because I know that in this room are some people who are going to literally change the world. And if given the opportunity and the information, that things will never be the same. Now, I'm always excited about every audience, though. Every time I get a chance to speak, I'm excited. I'm excited because Simon picked us up and told us about this great group. He told us about all the great things he's been doing in his business and that you are doing. But I'm excited every time I get an opportunity to speak. I had an experience not long ago. I was speaking in Japan for the U.S. Marines. I've been there two weeks speaking for the families of those deployed and for their children and and for the different groups. And I've had a great time with my wife. My wife, by the way, where's my bride? My bride in here? There's my bride. Come on in here, bride. Come on in here. Walk, walk, quick, 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 quick. quick. Every time I talk about my wife, I have to take a stop and say hello. That's her right there, the little African-American with the blonde hair. Now, that's my bride. By the way, we're newlyweds. Y'all supposed to clap. Yeah, we're newlyweds. And and June next month, we'll celebrate 23 years of marriage. Now, you say, how do I call it newlyweds? The reason I call it newlyweds is because I still got the five for her. I tell you. (laughs) I would crawl over broken glass to get to that woman. You hear me? I love my wife. So I, I, my wife and I, thank you, baby. My bride and I were in Japan, and we had two weeks we'd been there, and it was time for us to go to Seoul, Korea. I got to the airport at the, at the airport there in Japan, and I gave the lady my ticket. She said, oh, we've been waiting for you. I said, what? She said, we've been waiting for you. I told my bride, I said, baby, we are doing pretty good. <laughs> it must be because I'm the speaker, or maybe because I have a business class ticket. It's not first class, but it's business class. It's pretty good. She said, let me get you quickly through security. She got us through security, gave the ticket to another lady who checked our bag. She said, oh, we've been waiting for you. I said, okay now. She got our baggage collected. She said, now I'm going to take you to the VIP section. I said, all right now. And in order to get to the VIP section, we had to go down the front hallway where we came in. And as we were walking by the first lady who we had met, we were walking by. She was talking to somebody else now. And as I was walking by her, I heard her say to the other people, We've been waiting for you. I realized they said that to everybody. <laughs> I got to the VIP room, it was everybody. It was a it was a rating room, they just called it VIP. <laughs> they gave a few freshmen, refreshments, a few sodas, and then they took us said, we're gonna take you to the shuttle that will take you to the aircraft. I said, very good. And they got us all together, first class, business class, close class, everybody on the shuttle together. And as that shuttle was about to pull off, though, something happened that changed my life. Those ladies that I'd met today, from the first one to the second one, the third one, the fourth one, they ran. They didn't walk. They didn't meander. They didn't take their time. They ran to the edge of the bus. And as that bus was about to pull off, they bowed and said, thank you for letting us serve you. I learned a valuable lesson that day, ladies and gentlemen. When we get to do what we do, when you get to do what you do for your customers and for your people in your network, when you get to do what you do, when I get to do what I do, it's not a job. It's an honor. It's a service. And service is the rent we pay for the space we occupy on the earth. So I begin this presentation by saying to all of you here today, thank you for letting me come to serve you. Now, we got a lot to do in a little bit of time. As I said, I'm here in the beautiful country of Australia. And I've been practicing with my good mate over there, Greg Owen. Greg Owen, would you stand up, please? He's the guy who brought me in here. Give him a big round of applause. He's the, one who, he's the mastermind behind this. We've been practicing, and I told him I'm getting it together. Good eye, mate. Good eye on you, mate. So I'm working on it. I know it's a little strange. It's a little strange. But y'all just work with me, okay? We're going to talk to you for a few minutes on simple concepts to growing yourself, your future, and your business. I did a program here. Where's the gentleman I met? I just saw him. There he is. We met in uh, Stu Casaldine's programs years ago. And he got one of my books. It only takes a minute to change your life. I was here in 2001 before 9-11, that that year, and I had a book called It Only Takes a Minute to Change Your Life that was very popular in America and had become a bestseller even here in Australia. And so I came over to do a tour and had a tremendous time when I came. And I did a program that's gone on to become one of my best-selling programs. In fact, on my website in America, it's one of the best-selling programs for network marketing groups called How to Double Your Business in a Year. And I'm going to tell you some of the things I have been sharing with organizations on how to double your business in a year. And I had one guy who heard me in Canada, Paul Nellis. He said, not only did I use this concept to, to double my business in a year, I tripled my business in a year. So I'm going to give you some simple concepts in the time we have together. And we're going to have a great time. Now. And I always tell them people, I'm going to have a great time today because I didn't come all the way from America to have a boring time. I'm going to have a good time today with or without you. (laughs) Five simple steps to grow to the next level. As I told you, I used to sing jingles. And jingles, there was a jingle you might have heard, double your business, double your fun, double your business with double mint gum. That was a very popular jingle in America. And one time I was here coming to speak here in Australia, and my host picked me up, and I talked to them. They were in network marketing, and I said, what do you do? The, the husband said, I'm a brain surgeon. I said, really? The wife said, I'm a cardiologist. I said, really? I said, well, why are you in this business? Obviously, you're doing well financially. I was say. they said, we make a lot of money. The problem is that we're tied to our pager. And we don't have any time for our most valuable asset, our children's children. We love time with our grandchildren, but we're always working. And so what we're doing now, we're not working in this business for money. We're working so we can buy back our time. And let me tell you, folks, see, double your business, double your fun. What's your fun? What's your pleasure? Some people, they need more money, and that's fine. But some people, they want more time with their family. Some people want more time with their children and their grandchildren. I don't know what your pleasure is, but everybody got something they want to do more of. And this opportunity, this business gives you an opportunity to double it. To double the time you have with your children. Double the time you have with your grandchildren. To double the time you have to be able to give to your church or your community. Whatever it is, I don't know what it is for you, but I know everybody has something that they want to do and grow. So how do you double your business? How do you double your fun? How do you double your pleasure? I'm going to give you five steps, and then I'm going to give you a few other steps that will help you grow. Five steps that will help you grow through this process. I call it the VDAD formula. Vision. Decision. Action, desire, how bad you are. Those are the first four. Then there will be five pieces that go to it. Let me start with the five steps first. Five steps that will help you get focused on how to get these vision things going. Step number one is wake up and dream. Wake up and dream sounds like an oxymoron. How do you wake up and dream? came to me as I was finishing my second book. A setback is a setup for a comeback. The book had gone to the publisher, and I told the publisher it's finished, it's edited, it's ready to go. And of course, the day that it was going to be printed, the day it was going to be printed, I would get an email. And the email was from a friend. As soon as I read the email, I called my publisher and said, Stop the presses. I got to add this quote. It's a quote by T.E. Lawrence that reads All men dream, but not equally. Those that dream at night in the dusty recesses of their minds awaken to find that it was just vanity. But those that dream by day, oh, they're the dangerous ones. For they dream with their eyes open and make sure their dreams come true. What are your dreams? What is the vision you have for your life? Scripture says: without a vision of people perish, but with a vision of people will flourish. What's the vision you have for your life? What is it that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to achieve? Anybody ever see the movie Karate Kid? No, there was a little boy named Daniel who moved into a new area. He didn't quite fit in. One day he's riding his bicycle home, and and, and the bullies jump out and attack him. They tear up his bicycle. They're about to tear him up when out of nowhere. (laughs) Mr. Miyagi shows up. Mr. Miyagi beats up the bullies while Daniel runs off. Daniel was upset because his bicycle had been destroyed. The next day, there was a knock at the door. Daniel opened the door. There was his bicycle restored, renewed, but better than it had been before. He looked to see who had done it. He saw Mr. Miyagi. Mr. Miyagi gave him a thumbs up sign. They became fast friends. One day in Mr. Miyagi's backyard, Mr. Miyagi was clipping a bonsai tree. Daniel said, what a beautiful plant. I'd like to, no, I, I don't have what it takes. Mr. Miyagi said, I can teach you, Daniel. Oh, no, Mr. Miyagi. said, I'm not artistic. I'm not talented like that. No, I can teach you, Daniel. I learned it when I was your age. No, no, no. I don't have what it takes, Mr. Miyagi. And the more Miss Miyagi tried to talk Daniel into it, Daniel talked himself out of it. And you know what, folks? That's how most of us are about our possibilities. We talk ourselves out of our best ideas. I'll give you an example. How many of you have had at least one good idea in your life. <laughs> now, how many of you have talked you out of at least one good idea in your life? If you told yourself you're too old, you're too young, it wouldn't work for you, you don't have enough education, you don't have enough money, who would listen to you? Why would they listen to you? We talk ourselves out our best ideas. Mr. Miyagi said, Daniel, you can do it, no, I can't. You can do it, no, I can't. You, Daniel, look at the plant. Daniel looked at the plant. He said, study it, okay? Now, Daniel, close your eyes. Can you see the plant in your mind? Yeah. Can you see the detail? Yeah. Can you see the indentations? Yeah. Open your eyes. By the time he'd opened his eyes, Mr. Miyagi had taken the clipped bonsai tree and replaced it with an unclipped, unfinished bonsai tree. He said, now, Daniel, work on what you just saw. If you cannot see it, how will you ever be it? If you cannot see yourself living the life that you've dreamed about, if you cannot see yourself having a life that you can start to do the things you've always wanted, doubling your business in a year, if you cannot see it, how will it ever become a reality? Scripture is right. Without a vision, a people perish. Oh, but with a vision, a people will flourish. Everybody, step number one is what? Wake up and dream. Everybody. Wake up and dream. Step number two, you got to show up. Sounds elementary, but it's so critically important. You got to show up. Show up with your stuff. Show up engaged. Show up excited. Show up and do more than you're expected to do. Give more than you're expected to give. Go further than you're expected to go. Woody Allen said 80% of success is showing up. And he was absolutely right. I know it's right. You got to show up. Show up and be excited about life. My friend Les Brown says it like this: He says, if you do the things today that others won't do, you will have the things tomorrow that others won't have. You gotta show up. Had an experience years ago. I was on tour with Les Brown and his wife, then wife, Gladys Knight. Now everybody knows Gladys Knight. Even here in Australia, you know Gladys Knight, don't you? Yeah, everybody know Gladys Knight. In fact, you can go out t- in America in the cornfields of Idaho. The farmer knows Gladys Knight and the cow know Gladys Knight. Everybody <laughs> knows Gladys Knight. Well, this is Gladys Knight, and bef- I'm on tour with her, and I'm nervous. And before every show, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous. So I'm in the green room flipping the channels to make the time go fast. Is it my time to go on stage yet? No. Is it my time to go on? Not yet, Willie. Is it my time? No, not yet, Willie. Uh, 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 Okay, and one day I'm flipping the channels and, and, and an infomercial popped up on the screen. And I looked and I couldn't believe it. I knew the lady on the television. I turned up the volume. She was selling tapes on how to have a successful relationship. She had become a relationship expert. I said... How in the world is that lady on television selling those tapes? I know that lady. She's been married five times. <laughs> Les looked over me and said the reason she's on television, because she showed up. <laughs> Folks, I found out something about life. You gotta show up if you want to be successful. You gotta show up. Statist- statistics show. If you just show up in life, you get the opportunities. 80% of the time. Now, if you show up on time, you get the opportunities 85% of the time. You show up on time with a plan, you get the opportunities 90% of the time. Show up on time with a plan and implement that plan, you get the opportunities 95% of the time. Show up on time with a plan and implement and execute that plan with excellence. You get the opportunities 100% of the time. First thing you got to do, you got to show up. My son, last May this time, I would not have been here with you. Because last May this time, I was in Williamsburg, Virginia, where my son was graduating from the College of William and Mary, America's first college where Thomas Jefferson went to school. And he was graduating very difficult school. Now, the first two and a half years, three years, he struggled. He almost got put out of school because it's a tough school. But after his third year, he came home on a roll. I said, son, I'm so proud of you. I gave a big hug and a big kiss. I said, son, I'm so proud of you. What was the secret to your success? He said, dad, I listened to your tapes and showed up to all my classes. (laughs) Everybody repeat after me. Say, if you want to go up, then you got to show up. Step number one is what? Step number two is what? Step number three, you got to stand up. You got to stand up. You got to become a stand-up person. Martin Luther King Jr. said, if you don't have something you're willing to stand for, you'll fall for anything you got to become a leader of one. Before you can lead many, you must be able to lead one, self. I love this little quote in one of my books. It says, he who knows not. And knows not that he knows not. But thinks that he knows is a fool. Leave him alone. Now, he who knows not, And knows that he knows not is a child. Teach him. Now he who knows, but knows not that he knows, is asleep. Wake him. Oh, but he who knows and knows that he knows and uses what he knows is a leader. Follow him. There's a leader on the inside of each and every one of you. Each and every one of you has the leadership seed within you to grow your business, to make a difference, to be a player, a powerful, impactful person in your communities. But many of us don't realize that we have that leadership seed within us. And we let it lay dormant because we don't realize how much greatness we have within us. And I'm saying to you there's a leader inside of you, but you must be willing to develop that leader. See, most people think, well, most leaders are born. No, no, no. no. Most leaders are not born, they are developed. See, leaders are like diamonds. How many of you have like diamonds here? How many of you like diamonds? Now, you like the little teeny-weeny ones or one so big they need a crane to lift up your hand? (laughs) Now, diamonds are not born diamonds. A diamond is born a piece of coal, an ordinary, everyday piece of coal that gets separated from the pack. It goes through a transformational process. There's some change. Some challenge, some adversity, some difficulty, some pressure. But when that piece of coal comes through that pressure cooker and that transformational process, it is no longer a piece of coal. It's a diamond. There's a diamond on the inside of each and every one of you. I believe when a baby is born and the doctor slaps it on the behind, he doesn't say, oh, put this one over in the leadership group. (laughs) No, he says, this baby has potential. And if this baby will develop itself and grow itself and press itself and stretch itself, it will be able to do incredible things with this life. But it's a process. If you're going to maximize this year, you're going to double your business. You've got to grow you. I love to say it like this. If you want better children, you've got to become a better parent. If you want better relationships, you've got to become a better partner. If you want better results in your life, you've got to become a better you. We must grow ourselves if we want better results from ourselves. I listen to tapes in my car, and I'm sure many of you do too, don't you? If you don't, you're missing a great opportunity. The average commute I know in America, and I assume here in Australia, is from home to work is half an hour. That's the average commute. Over 40 years, half an hour to work and half an hour home, they calculated that the average person is in their car over 40 years, seven years out of their lives. In that time, you can become a nuclear physicist. <laughs> that is why I make that time useful. I make a point of reading books. On planes, I I make a point of listening to tapes in my car because I found how it has grown me, and that time has been used wisely. Jim Rohn, the great philosopher, says it like this about growing yourself. He says, if you ever go into a million-dollar home, a $10 million home, you ever go into a $10 million home, it always has a library. Now, the person who bought that $10 million home, did they buy it because it has a library, or did their library allow them to buy it? Benjamin Franklin said, the greatest investment one can make in oneself is what you pour into your head. Because the pennies you pour into your head will produce dollars you can pour into your wallet. What are you reading? What are you listening to? What kind of library have you invested in? Are you investing in yourself? Are you growing yourself? I'm glad you're here to this day at this seminar. How many know some people who need to be here today? But they didn't want to invest in themselves. And as someone said, Simon, you told me yesterday, you said, wherever personal development leads and personal growth leads, improved prosperity follows. Didn't you tell me that? Because that's the truth. Wherever you invest in you, whenever you grow you, things start to happen because you become a better you. My wife and I invest thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars every year in personal development. Some people say, well, you're one of the top speakers. You're a best-selling author. Why do you spend so much money? Because I have not forgotten the bridge that brought me across. I remember where I was before and how I wouldn't spend the money. And then I started listening to the tapes and hearing people say invest in yourself, grow yourself, you'll pay the best dividends. 15 years, and tw- almost 20 years later now, I can tell you that the best dividends are those things I invested in me. We spend thousands of dollars, gratefully. I can't go by a bookstore almost without getting a book. I always have two or three books with me because I'm trying to read two books a week now because it's helped to make me wealthy. I'm saying to you, invest in yourself. i give you a great story. A Couple of years ago, I was asked to be on the Ricky Lake Show. I don't know if they show that here in Australia. They say they're going to do a positive show. Yeah, right. I figure they're going to ambush me. But if I'm going to get ambushed, I at least want to look good. I go to see Everett Hall, the premier clothes designer for the stars in America. I'd seen him on television, and I wanted one of his suits for this television show. His shop was not too far from my office, so one day I took the trek to get to his shop. I got to his shop, and I walked in, and he was there. I couldn't believe it. I walked over to him. I said, hello, Mr. Hall. My name is he. He said, you're Willie Jolly. I said, you know me. He said, your books and tapes have changed my business. I said, really? I got kind of impressed with myself. (laughs) I told him about the television show. He said, I got the perfect suit for you. He went and got this beautiful black suit. He put it on me and it made me look real thin. You know I like that suit. (laughs) He went away to get the measuring tape. I looked at the price tag. $5,000. $5,000. He came back. I said, do you ever loan out your suits for television? He said, we'll take care of that in a few minutes. He did the alterations, and then he went over to the cash register. He said, come on over, Mr. Jolly. I walked real slow. I got over there, and he said, here's what you owe me. I looked under the receipt. It said, no charge. I said, why? I don't understand. He said, I told you books and tapes had an impact on my business. He said, come on with me. He took me out of his shop, down the steps to the garage, took me over to the corner of the garage and said, look, he had a brand-new black Rolls-Royce Corniche convertible. I said, you got that from reading my book. (laughs) I said, I'm going home and reading my book again. (laughs) But I looked in the back seat of his car. He didn't just have my books and tapes. He had Les Brown books and tapes, Zig Ziglar books and tapes, Brian Tracy books and tapes. He had a whole backseat of books and tapes because he understood the principle. Your input determines your output. Garbage in. Folks, if you're not taking time to grow you, if you're not investing in yourself, if you're not going to seminars, getting the books, getting the tapes, then you're not seriously pursuing excellence to help you go to the next level. If there's anything I've learned, that the greatest investment I've made in myself is better than any stock market, because I found it was true. The pennies I poured in here poured dollars into here. Wake up and dream. Show up. Stand up. The next one is step up. Step up to the plate and give your best shot. And do it on a daily basis. Step up to the plate and swing for the fences. Now, I know that baseball is not a big sport here in Australia. Y'all do football, soccer as we call it. You do cricket. You do uh, rugby. But in America, baseball is a big thing. Now, baseball is is a place where people are always trying to strike you out. And your job is to hit the ball. The greatest have been the ones who always swung for the fences. Hank Aaron hit more home runs than anybody else. There's a guy now who recently did it, but Hank Aaron was well known for hitting more home runs than anybody else. But did you know that he had twice as many strikeouts as he had home runs? But every time he stepped to the bat, he gave his best shot. He knew he'd strike out sometimes, but he kept swinging for the fences. There's a lesson there. See, there's a quote that said, Don't let the fear of striking out keep you from swinging for the home run. There's a home run in your business, but you got to keep asking people. You got to keep talking to people. There's a home run in your opportunities that will change your life. There are people who you know who need this product. There are people who you know who need this opportunity. But we're afraid that they'll say no. And we're afraid we'll strike out. So we don't ask. When one of those people will be the one who's the home run hitter, I'm saying to you keep striking, swinging for the fence. Even if you strike out, keep swinging. Because there's a home run about to come. Now, understand as you step to the bat, you swing for the fences, sometimes things will go different than the way you planned them. Don't let that stop you. I wrote a book, and I write books on what happens when life doesn't go the way you planned it. Now, my first book actually was called It Only Takes a Minute to Change Your Life. Great book of one-minute motivational messages that will inspire and encourage people to just go another level. Like this one. Today's step for success is that we must see every day as an opportunity that demands that we give our all, do our best. We must see success not only as a destination, but also as a journey that's constantly filled with adventure and challenges. And if we're willing to meet those challenges, then we can live life to the fullest. Friends, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up and knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or it will be killed and eaten. Also every morning in Africa, a lion wakes up and knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It does not matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. (laughs) How many of y'all know that sometimes, though, change, stuff happens that you didn't expect? How many of y'all know that sometimes... Murphy's Law plays a point. Y'all ever heard of Murphy's Law? Murphy's Law is, for those of who don't know, anything that can go wrong will go wrong at the worst possible time. Well, let me let you in on a secret, everybody here. Now that I know, how many of you really want to double your business this year? Very good. Now, let me let you in on a secret. For those who really want to double their business, Murphy's going to come visit you. (laughs) Murphy has your name address, and telephone number on a piece of paper in his pocket. And as soon as you set out to go after your goals and dreams, Murphy's going to come and visit you. In fact, I was speaking in Virginia one time. man came up to me after my speech. He said, Murphy doesn't come to visit me, young man. Said he got a room at my house. One lady told me, she says, I pay rent to Murphy. (laughs) Anybody in here ever had a setback? Anybody had a personal setback? How about a professional setback? Anybody had a financial setback? How about a relationship setback? Any of y'all got children? Anybody got teenagers? Bless you. (laughs) You're going to have a couple setbacks along the way. A couple years ago, I wrote another book called A Setback nothing but a setup for a comeback. And this book has literally changed people's lives around the world because it is true. Now, what I did when I wrote this book, I interviewed people. Some of them were celebrities. I got stories about Tina Turner, great comeback story, Les Brown, Wally Amos, Vanessa Williams, John Travolta. But they were famous. What about us? What happens when we have a setback? And the people like us that I interviewed were the ones that changed my life. Like the young man I interviewed had a small business, two small children, had a setback, went bankrupt, lost his house, lost his car, ended up living on the street. Many thought that would be the end of his story, but he came back and built a company called Daymark, one of the biggest merchandising companies in America, $240 million a year company. Or well, how about the ninth grade math teacher I interviewed, Mrs. Doris Debo, who was told one day when she went for her, Medical checkup. Ma'am, we're sorry to tell you, you have terminal breast cancer. You've got six months to live. She said, I can't die. i got too many children to teach. I love what I do. I can't die. They said, we're sorry, ma'am. You got six months. She sat there gathering her thoughts. She couldn't believe her ears. And after a few minutes, though, she stood back up and looked the doctors in the eye and said, I just made up my mind. I'm not going to die. I'm going to live for at least 25 more years because I've got too much to do. They said, we're sorry, ma'am. The tests are conclusive. You've got six months. They sent her home to die. Well, I'm excited today to say that lady is now at 30 years and counting. She has beaten cancer four times. I recently celebrated her 82nd birthday with her. When I interviewed her, she changed my life. I said, ma'am, what was the secret to your success? She said, young man, write it like I tell you. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, tell the people in your book that I might have cancer, but cancer does not have me. I said, whoa. She said, one other thing, write it down like I tell you. I said, yes, ma'am. She said, tell the people in your book. The doctors can give you the diagnosis, but God gives you the prognosis. Well, how about the lady I wrote about and read about who was going up the corporate ladder, trying to get to the top of the corporate ladder, fighting the battles, fighting the wars, got almost up to the top of the corporate ladder, and they fired her. Told her she was too old. They didn't need her anymore. But she came back and bought the company. You're going to have some setbacks as you go along this path. But I want to say to you, a setback is nothing but a setup for a comeback. Because you're going to have some setbacks. There are going to be times when things don't go the way you planned them. There are going to be times when stuff happens. But keep a positive outlook because a setback is nothing but a setup for a comeback. Now, I wish I could tell you, I wrote this book because it had a cute title. (laughs) See, before I could write this book, I had to live this book. See, 20 years ago, I didn't know there was an industry called speaking. 20 years ago, I was a jingle singer by day and a nightclub singer by night, singing in dark, dank, smoke-filled nightclubs, singing songs I hated. One song I couldn't stand, hated it. Feelings, I hate that song. (laughs) But every night at the club, I would say, sing feelings, sing feelings. And this was for American Idol and Australian Idol and all the other idols. I was waiting for somebody to discover me. Not knowing most of the people too drunk to discover their way out the front door. <laughs> and every night I come in. But we built the number one nightclub in Washington, DC. People would line up at seven o'clock for the eight o'clock show, nine o'clock for the ten o'clock show. It was the number one night spot. Well, one night I came in the club, club owner said, Wanna to talk to you after tonight's show. I said Told the guys in the band, they want to talk. We've been selling out for months. We got standing room only audiences. We're finally gonna get our raise. I walked in his office that night, he said, You were great. I said, Thank you. He said, The people loved you. I said, Thank you. He said, You know, you we made a lot of money since you've been here. I said, Yes. He said, That's why it's hard for me to tell you what I gotta tell you. Now that we made a lot of money, the owners of the club have decided they gotta get get a better return on investment. And the only way to do that now that the club is packed every night is to. Lower costs. And the only way to cut lower costs is to cut our expenses. And the ban's the biggest expense. We're going to try something new that's going around the country. A lot cheaper. It's filling up nightclubs. We bought a karaoke machine. <laughs> We're going to give that a shot for a month. A month? But what about my bills? Well, I learned that night. Nobody cares about your bills. But you and the people you owe. Am I right about it? I went home and told my bride. I said, I got to do something else. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew it was time for me to make a change. I was frightened. I was afraid. I was scared because I I had had only $200 for my name. I had two children. What am I going to do to pay my bills? But I realized that it was time for me to either live my dreams or live my fears. I took a job with the Washington, D.C. public school system as a drug prevention coordinator. Talking to little kids about staying away from drugs, and I found my gift. I found my ability. I found something I didn't know had within me, an ability to reach people with my words. In front of little kids, the teachers would say, hey, hey, can you come to my friend's school? I'd go to their friend's school. And someone at the friend's school would say, hey, can you come to my teacher's association? I'd go to their teacher's association. And someone at the teacher's association would say, hey, hey, can you come to my church? And I'd go to their church. And then someone in the congregation would come up after my speech and say, hey, hey, can you come to my company? I work for this company, that company, this great organization, that one. Can you come and speak for me? And and it continued to grow. And one day I'm speaking in a little teeny-weeny hotel room. The doorway is open to the ballroom. That night down in the ballroom, they're going to have a big motivational rally. And while I'm speaking to this small group of people, one of the speakers from that night's ballroom motivational rally was walking by. His name was Les Brown, the great motivational speaker. And he stood outside the room and listened to my message. And he came in after my message and said, young man, you got quite a talent. He said, I'm putting together a tour. You'd be the perfect opening act. And a few months later, we kicked off the Les Brown Dream Team Tour, which featured Les Brown, Billy Preston, Gladys Knight, and a little guy from Washington, D.C. Because of that, I got a little radio show. Les and Gladys introduced me to radio people. And I got a little radio show, and it caught on in America. got syndicated across America. And now it's on XM Radio across America. Because of the radio show, one day a book publisher heard me on the radio. Called my office and said, love that message I heard today. What a way of thinking, a new way of thinking. I loved it. Have you ever thought about putting your ideas into a book? I said, no, I never thought about it. He said, let me make you an offer. I said, I just thought about it. (laughs) First book came out in 1997 called It Only Takes a Minute to Change Your Life. Now over 200,000 copies worldwide been translated into eight languages. This is the newest translation, Japanese. I don't know what it says. But it sure does look good. (laughs) Second book came out in 1999, a a, a setback, a set up for a comeback. It, too, is in multiple languages. This is the French version, Bonjour. This is the Spanish version, Como esta? And this is the German version. I have no idea how to say anything in German. And then after the books came out, the books on tape started coming out. And the books on tape became popular. And then my youth video came out, the number one selling youth video in America. Young people and uh, uh, parents are buying this tape like crazy for schools and colleges. Drug prevention, quality, making wise choices. Number one selling youth video in America. PBS has played it. And then my Double Your Business came out when I came to Australia. And then... Recently came out my Money Making Music and Motivation, my favorite product. It's a a Money Making Music. It's a DVD of me and Gladys Knight singing together and me speaking and a full DVD. Plus a Money Making Music CD of my music, my motivational music. That's the number one selling music on the Apple iTunes site. And then Money Making Minutes from my radio show, Dynamite. And then I'm very proud. Came out. Chicken Soup for the Christian Soul. And on the front cover it says, stories of faith, hope, and healing featuring Joyce Meyer, Tony Campola, Naomi Rody, and a little guy named Willie Jolly. I'm honored to be on the front cover of this book with them. Look here. Every time I look at these books, I think about the time I was on stage with Les and Gladys at the Warner Theater in Washington, D.C. I was home. So everybody was coming up to say hello to me. And I was seeing people and greeting people. How you doing? So good to see you. And as I'm, I'm saying hello to somebody, I heard this little voice over here. I don't care what. I still can't believe it. I saw it, but I still can't believe it. I looked. I said, I knew it was you. It was my ninth grade English teacher. I knew a voice anywhere. She said, Willie jolly, boy, I looked and I, I saw it, but I still don't believe it. You, of all people, wrote a book. said, boy, I can remember when you could hardly read a book. And she wasn't lying. I was the half of the class that made the top half possible. <laughs> Last but not least, six years ago now, I'm in Dallas, Texas, giving a speech. My page is going off. Phone going crazy. Urgent, 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 urgent. I call my office. What's so urgent? Toastmasters International needs to talk to you. Toastmasters, that's the big worldwide speaking organization. I'm not a member of Toastmasters. What do they want? They say it's urgent. I call Toastmasters. Hi, this is Willie Jolly. How can I help you? Mr. Jolly, we've been awaiting your call. We just want to let you know, you've just been named one of the outstanding five speakers in the world for this year. Former winners include Colin Powell, Norman Schwarzkopf, Nelson Mandela, Margaret Thatcher, Christopher Reeve. I said, what? I said, you sure you got the right person? My name is Willie Jolly. Willie Jolly. Willie Jolly. She said, the one who wrote the book, It Only Takes a Minute to Change your Life, yeah. Washington, D.C., yeah. Speaker, yeah. You're the one. I said, no, you must be mistaken. Them big dogs. I'm a little dog. I'm not famous. I speak to school kids and the colleges and the corporations and network marketing groups. I I speak to small groups. I speak to churches. I even speak to people family reunions. I'm a little dog. She said, let me tell you something, Mr. Jolly. Little dog keep yapping loud enough and strong enough. Big dog started to hear about you. <laughs> Moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, just think if I'd never gotten fired and replaced by a karaoke machine. Everybody repeat after me. Say, change is good when your attitude is great. Say it again. Change is good when your attitude is great. See, what stops most people from being successful is attitude. Most people say, well, my attitude is fine like it is. And as soon as I hear somebody say that, my response is, beep, 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 let me get away from them as quick as I can. Because see, ladies and gentlemen, your attitude is never good enough. You must work on your attitude every single solitary day because your attitude is being impacted every day by the bad news you wake up to. Most people wake up in the morning, they get up, they go to the bathroom, they, wash their, they brush their teeth, they wash their face, and then they turn on a television or a radio. And the first thing they hear is how many little children got snatched, how many people got killed, how many fires there were. How many planes crashed? How many terroristic threats there are? How high the gas prices are going to go? Bad news, bad news, bad news. That is why I tell people around the world, first 20 minutes are the most important part of your day to becoming a success. Because in those first 20 minutes are the time that you put in your mind what kind of day you're going to have. I encourage you, the first 20 minutes, don't turn on the television. First 20 minutes, read or listen to something positive. First 20 minutes, and I encourage you, go to my website. I got free stuff for you, free movies and audios and videos, willyjolly.com or wjspeaks.com. Just go. Stuff I put there for free because I want people to get it because it makes a world of difference. Your attitude is going to change your life. See, let me tell you something. I told you I fly a lot. Now, from Washington, D.C. to Australia, Is about 23 hours in the air. Now, when you fly a lot, the one thing you hope doesn't happen when you're flying, that you're sitting in your seat, you see somebody coming down the aisle. (coughs) That's the one. Please don't let them sit next to me. That's all I say, please. But let me tell you something. I would much rather be on a plane for 23 hours with somebody who got an infectious flu than be around a negative person for one hour. So see, if I get the flu, I'm only down for two weeks. But if I'm around a negative person, they may steal my dream for a lifetime. Be careful who you hang around with. Make a commitment that you hang around with only quality people, people who will encourage you, who will inspire you, who will tell you on the tough days, yeah, it's going to get better. We all have tough days. Don't worry. I got you covered today. You need somebody to encourage you that, okay, you had somebody said no. Somebody let you down. Perfect who who you were expecting to do great things. They said they were going to be there for you. but They rejected you and let you down. Don't worry because the best is yet to come. I was on a plane one day. I was new in the speaking business. I had been struggling with my business. Anybody ever struggle with your business? I was wondering how I was going to keep the lights on in my business, how I was going to keep the phones on. I'm struggling, begging for somebody, praying for somebody to finally give me a speech. I'm new. Finally, somebody calls and gives me a speech. Orlando, Florida. I'm so excited I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I'm I'm excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And and I get to Orlando. I give the speech. They give me my check. I look. I say, fantastic. I get on the plane on my way back home, and I look at the check again, and I get depressed because I looked at it and realized that money was already allocated. It was already gone. Anybody ever got the money and before you could spend it, it was gone? I'm depressed. As I'm sitting there, there's an older gentleman across the aisle from me. We strike up a conversation. He must have sensed that I was struggling. He said, young man, I'm going to ask you a question. He said, how old do you think I am? I looked at him. I said, I think you're about 60 years old, sir. He smiled. He took off his glasses. He looked me in my eye. He said, young man, I'm 88 years old. I'm 88, and my best is yet to come. (laughs) Folks, in that moment, everything changed for me. Because if an 88-year-old man could see that his best days were in front of him and not behind him, then what did I have to whine and cry and complain about? What did I have to worry about? If he could have that kind of optimism and that kind of attitude, why was I crying? And I got a new attitude. And I went home and I got busy. I got on the phone and I started making sales calls. And when people would say no, I'd say next. And they say no, I'd say next. And I keep going until somebody said yes. And I kept going and asking people, give me a shot. Let me speak for you. I'll do my best. Let me come and give your people a message and it started to change and started to grow and things started to change because somebody inspired me that the best was yet to come. I'm saying to you here today, no matter what you're going through, No matter what kind of challenges and changes, no matter what kind of problems and situations have come up in your life, no matter what your age or your situation or your problems or your issues, I don't care. I'm saying to you, without a question of a doubt, your best is yet to come. It's all about your attitude. It's all about your attitude. Wake up and dream. Show up. Stand up. Step up. And the fifth one is think up. Make up your mind to win. How many of you want to win? Okay, very good. Now, most of you raise your hands because you do want to win. Problem is, you've been conditioned that to want to win is not a good thing. We've been conditioned since we were children, everyone in this room, that you should not want to win all the time. Once in a while is okay, but you shouldn't want to win all the time. How can I tell you have been conditioned? Finish this thought for me. You can't have your cake and... Eat it too. Why not? Because <laughs> your mama told you that. And who told your mama? Her mama. And who told her? Her mama. I'm doing a program next week with Stephen Covey, the author of Seven Habits for Highly Effective People. And he taught us that we got to think differently, a new paradigm. See, why can't you have your cake and eat it too? Why can't you take a picture of the cake? (laughs) Why can't you freeze a piece of the cake? Why can't you simply make another cake? <laughs> you win some, you. Ah, why is that? Because you're, somebody told you that. But Covey teaches us in the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People that those who are the most effective, those who are the most productive, those who have the greatest performance, those who are the most impactful have learned a principle, a paradigm called win win if I can help you win more, I win more. If I can help you win more, I win more. If I can help you win more, I tend to win more. So my first thought should how can I help you win? Because if I can help you win, I'm going to win more. Zig Ziglar says it like this. If you help enough, other people get what they want, you get everything you want. Start helping more people to win. When I started developing that mindset, getting more winners in my corner, people who I help to win, then I tend to win more. And I learned that it's okay to win. It's okay to win a lot as long as I remember that I'm here to help others win first. And then I tend to win. Wake up and dream. Show up. Stand up. Step up. Think up. Make up your mind to win. Think forward. Think up thoughts. I told you there are four other little things I'm going to give you. Vision, decision, action, and desire. These things that I've found that have helped people to double their business in a year. Vision. We've talked about the fact you've got to have a big vision. I want everybody to go out here today and write a big note today that or a piece of paper and put it all over your house. I want to double my business this year. I'm going to double my business this year. I'm doubling my business this year. Start thinking what it will look like to double your business. Start thinking what your bank account will look like when you double it. How many more people? I want you to have my goal when I come back again to visit y'all next year that there will be so many people in this room. That they're open both sides because everybody in here is going to go out and double their business. They're going to be so big that they might even have to bring in chairs and have every seat in every space and every floor place open up for people. How many want to see that kind of growth? Then you got to believe it. You got to see it. Okay, you got to see it first vision. You got to see it. You got to see it. You got to see it. Second, you got to make some tough decisions. Tough decisions. Now, decisions taken from the Greek word to cut. You make an incision, you cut in. You make a decision, you cut off. If you're going to have the best year of your life, you're going to have to make a decision to stop hanging around with negative, small-minded, itty-bitty, petty-thinking people who are always telling you what you can't do. You just got to leave them alone. And unfortunately, some of them are in your inner circle, people who you love, and they love you too. They're not trying to be mean-spirited. They just happen to suffer from possibility blindness. You're going to that, that meeting again. You're spending your money. How many of y'all heard it? Come on, I know y'all heard it. Why are you spending your money going over there? You know you're getting in too late. Oh, it's just this. It's this, this negative. You gotta leave them alone. Let them be negative by themselves. Somebody asked me, Well, what do you do if they're in your family? I say, Learn to love them from afar. <laughs> I know negative people will kill your dreams. When I was in the ninth grade, I used to play trumpet with a band. And every day I'd play that trumpet, and my, my parents would say to me, why aren't you singing with the band? You sing at home? You sing at school? You sing at church? You, you should be singing. I said, you think? Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I went to band practice that night. I said, guys, can I sing tonight? They said, yeah, go ahead and sing. And I started singing, and everybody said it sounded good except one guy who I thought was my best friend. He was the lead singer. <laughs> he said, Man, you can't sing. You sound terrible. You sound horrible. He started laughing. The mob mentality took over, and everybody else started laughing. I felt about this big. I wanted to cry, but I couldn't let my boys see me cry. So I walked over to the corner and said, I'll never sing again as long as I live. And for three years, I kept that vow. I wouldn't sing at home, at school, or church. I wouldn't even sing at people's birthday parties when everybody sang Happy Birthday because I was ashamed. Three years went by. One night, I'm, I'm singing. Uh, I'm in a nightclub playing my trumpet. And a band leader gets this note, sing a sick, can't come. He looked around and said, somebody got to sing. He said, Willie, come on over and sing. I said, no, I can't sing. He said, I want you to sing. I said, no, I can't sing. He said, sing. I said, no, I'm not singing for you or anybody else. He said, sing, no, sing, no. He said, you either sing or you're fired. <laughs> Feelings. <laughs> At that point, it became an easy choice. I closed my eyes and sang as loud as I could and as strong as I could. And when I opened my eyes, people stopped dancing and were just looking. And I sang and they clapped. And I sang and they clapped. End of the night, people were lined up here, lined up there, lined up over here, asking me i sing at their wedding, at the graduation, at the reception, at this and that. Finally hit me like a ton of bricks. My friend had lied to me. But since that time, I've sung in Carnegie Con- Hall, on Broadway, in Lincoln Center, Constitution Hall, been on records, on tapes, on radio, on television, been around the world singing. Because I stopped listening to those negative people. Don't listen to negative people. They will kill your dreams. They will kill your dreams. Vision, decision. Third one is action. A vision without an action is an illusion. An action without a vision is mere confusion. But a vision and action put together can give your life a transfusion. You got to take action on these dreams. Two little birds sitting on a telephone wire. Y'all heard me tell you this. One of them decides to fly away. How many little birds you got left? Two. Because until you take action on your dreams, nothing happens. We got lots of people say, someday I'll. Someday I'll. Now, when this is over, I want you to come out to my table. I got a little bookmarker for you. This is my gift to you. On the back of this bookmark are 10 steps to make this the best year of your life. Step number one, decide what you want. How do you have a dream come true if you don't have a dream? Step number two. Write it down and be specific. Don't you say, I want to be rich. What's rich? One person make a million dollars this year, they would be ecstatic. Another person be in bankruptcy court. Number three, read your goals three times a day. How many have written goals? Okay, if you don't have written goals, that's your homework. Go home tonight and do your homework. If you went to the doctor today, he said, I got good news and bad news. Bad news, you got a year to live. Good news? You got a very rare illness. Anything you attempt, anything you try in the next 30, in the next 60, uh, next 12 months, you will achieve. What would you go after if you couldn't fail, but you only had a year to live? Write down 10 things you'd go after and read it for the next 30 days. I want you to write your goals. Scripture says, write the vision, make it plain that he that reads it may run the race. Number four, set a date. If you set the date, you will not procrastinate. Number five, think of it often. Every day, take time to think of your your ideas and your goals and your dreams. Number six, dream and imagine. See yourself in that car you always wanted. See yourself in that house you always wanted. See yourself giving your church or your community a, a donation. See yourself making a difference in somebody's life. See yourself doing the things you always wanted to do but were unable to do. Number seven, develop a plan of action. If you fail to plan, you're planning to fail. Number eight, do three things every day towards your goal. Make a phone call. Write a letter. Ask someone for help. Three things done consistently is better than 100 things done inconsistently. Number nine, stay positive. This is a hard one. That's why I told you to wake up those first 20 minutes, read or listen to something positive. Because it's hard. It's hard to stay positive in a negative world. And number ten, act as though you've achieved it. Act as though you've achieved it. Sometimes you've got to fake it till you make it. There's a new movie coming out. I want to give y'all a heads up. It's called The Opus. It's a sequel to The Secret. And I'm honored to say I closed the movie. I'm the closing speaker. They got Jack Canfield, Mark Victor Hansen. They have some of the greatest teachers and trainers, but they're having a premiere here in Australia in a few months, and they're having it in America shortly. I'm very honored. They just interviewed me on day, and they said, your story was so powerful that we had to close the movie with it. I'm honored about it. But some of these simple secrets are things I've just been sharing with organizations who have grown. Some of them have doubled their business. Some have tripled their business. People who have used these 10 steps. As I tell you about this guy, Paul Nellis, on the back of my book, he says, I'm taking a few minutes to write to you to let you know that your book changed my level of motivation and determination about my whole life. I'm now an addict to the 10 steps of achieving your goals, the 10 steps I just gave you. He said, the energy I'm getting from these daily is tremendous. And that is why I tripled my business in one year. I'm saying to you that your best is yet to come. This is going to be an incredible year. Vision, decision, action. you got to take action. And last one is desire. How bad do you want to make this the best year ever, folks? That's not rhetorical. Give me an answer. How bad do you want to make this the best year in your life? Come on, somebody tell me. How bad? All right, let's see how bad. Imagine if you would, one person wakes up around midnight says, I want a soda. I want it bad. They walk to the refrigerator. No sodas. Walk to the window. It's raining cats and dogs. They go back and look in the refrigerator one more time. Still no sodas. That person settles for a glass of water. And they go back to bed. Because they really didn't want that soda that bad. Second person wakes up around midnight and says, I want a soda. I walk to, the re- walk to the refrigerator, no sodas. walk to the window. It's raining cats and dogs. They put on a hat and coat and gloves, galoshes, walk a quarter mile to the corner store. But it's closed. <laughs> they go back home and they settle for a glass of orange juice. And they go back to bed. Because they really didn't want that soda that bad. Third person wakes up around midnight, says, I want a soda. Walk to the refrigerator, no sodas. Walk to the window, open the shades. Cyclone. (laughs) They put on a hat and coat and gloves, galoshes. Walk a quarter mile to the corner store. It's closed. Another half a mile to the grocery store. It's closed. Another mile to the gas station with the soda machine. It's sold out. (laughs) But that person keeps walking and trying. Trying. And walking and trying and walking and trying and walking and trying until they get a soda. And if you'd go that far for a soda, how much further would you go for your dreams? That's a question only you can answer. But sooner or later in the quest to double your business, the quest for success, you have to answer that question. I don't know when your day is going to come, but you're going to have to answer that question. Because everybody's going to have a day. When life tests you, see how bad you want it. I was on a radio show one day, and I gave that analogy. The radio show host was quiet for a few seconds, and then he said, "Willie Jolly, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever heard in my life. <laughs> Who's going to go out in a cyclone for a soda?" <laughs> he said, "That's ridiculous." I said, "You're absolutely right. It's ridiculous." Only those who attempt the ridiculous achieve the spectacular. How bad do you want it? I close with my favorite story. Imagine if you were the years 1944. The campus is Morehouse College in Atlanta, Georgia. It's hot, sweltering day in Atlanta. There's a knock on the door of the president. His name is Dr. Benjamin Mays. He says, come in. The big wooden door swings open, and in the doorway is a man and a teenage boy. Dr. Mays jumps to his feet to go to grab the hand of the man, Martin Luther King, Sr. My old friend, Daddy King, come on in. Daddy King steps in and takes a teenager's hand. Come on in, son. He said, Dr. Mays, I know you're you're busy, so I won't take a lot of your time. I just came to introduce you to my son, Marty. We call him M.L., He's 15 years old and he just graduated from high school. He's going to college here in the fall. 15 going to college. Very bright boy. And he's a good boy. Never giving me a stitch of trouble, but he's missing something. And I came today to ask you a big favor. No, 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 no. I don't need tuition. It's bigger than that. No, I don't need room and board. It's more critical than that. I came to ask you, would you teach my son how to dream? Big dreams. Please teach my boy. How to dream impossible dreams. And Dr. Mays took on the task. And he gave young Marty a piece and said, Young man, read this piece every day and it'll change your life. And young Marty read it every day and it changed his life. And one day I got hold of that piece and I started reading it every day and it changed my life. And I put it in my book, and people started emailing me, said, I read that piece, it changed my life, so profound, yet so simple. It simply reads: It must be born in mind. That the tragedy of life does not lie in not reaching your goals. No. The tragedy lies in not having a goal to reach for. It is not a calamity to die with your dreams unfulfilled, but it is a calamity not to dream. It is not a disaster to be unable to capture your ideals, but it is a disaster to have no ideals to capture. It is not a disgrace not to reach the stars, but it is a disgrace to have no stars to reach for. Not failure. But low aim is sin. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know I came this way today. Because I know in this room there's somebody who's ready to go to the next level. I want you to make a commitment that you're going to show up, stand up, step up, think up. I want you to have a vision, decision, action, desire. But most of all, I want you to wake up and dream to dream the possible dream to fight the unbeatable foe to bear with unbearable sorrow to go where the brave did not go to fight to The hail for heavenly car, And I know if I only be true To this perilous quest Then my heart will lie peaceful and calm just a minute, only 60 seconds in it, forced upon you, can't refuse it, didn't seek it, didn't choose it, but it's up to you to use it. You must suffer if you lose it, give account if you abuse it. Just a tiny little minute, but an eternity is in it. It's been a privilege and a pleasure, a treat and a treasure, a joy beyond measure for me to come to be able to serve you. God bless you. Thank you.